This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's where State Farm Small Business Insurance comes in. State Farm agents are small business owners themselves, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Today's founder is on a mission, and it's personal. Every school, every airline, every hospital should have snacks that should be accessible for everyone without worrying about, you know, if you're going to die, if you're going to eat it. Blake Sorensen is determined to solve a problem he's battled with his whole life. To do it, he needs to raise 750 k from investors. Investors who are often skeptical of food startups. So today, Blake will take a run at their questions about competition, distribution, and of course, how the thing tastes. Will he make it through the food startup gauntlet? I'm Josh Muccio, and from Gimlet Media, this is The Pitch. Our investors today? Alexandra Stanton. Alexandra is CEO of Empire Global Ventures. And on the side, she likes to do a little angel investing. So far, she's made bets on 15 startups. Phil Nadell. As a serial entrepreneur, Phil built companies that sold for hundreds of millions of dollars. Now he manages one of the largest syndicates on AngelList. Charles Hudson. Charles is with Precursor Ventures, where he's invested 20 million in over 100 startups to date. Jake Chapman. Jake has invested over 10 million in 30 startups. And now he's a partner at Alpha Bridge Ventures. All right, on with the pitch. My name is Blake Sorensen. I'm the co-founder of Blake's Seedbase. So imagine you guys are at dinner tonight in New York City, and you take your first bite of, of your meal, and immediately your throat begins to swell shut. You're gasping for air. Your, your body goes into anaphylactic shock. Five minutes later, you're on a stretcher out of the restaurant, you know, fighting for your life. So that exact situation has happened to me numerous times in my life. And I'm not alone. I'm one of 15 million people who suffers from food allergies. And specifically, I have a deathly nut allergy. So obviously, you know, growing up with that, it's a, it's a daily struggle. And, and part of that, I just had to accept that I can't eat certain foods. So, you know, you look at like snack bars, protein bars, trail mix, right? They all have nuts in them or made in facilities with nuts. So I just accepted that until about a year ago when I was in business school and I felt like I was swimming in RX bars and Kind bars and trail mixes. They're all around me. And I was like, one, can you guys just get them away from me? Because like, I don't want to die. <laughs> <laughs> and, and two, I was like so frustrated. Like, why can't I have, um, you know, food items like this? Like, it's all I want, something on the go that's healthy. And I've loved seeds growing up. So sunflower seeds, pumpkin seeds, chia seeds. So I said, what if I took uh, products that traditionally have nuts and just replaced them with seeds? So Blake threw on an apron and made the bars he needed in his own life. Then he enlisted his friends and family to try them out. And everyone loved them. And a light bulb went off in my head when I looked at the recipes I was creating because they were top eight allergen free. So the 15 million people with food allergies could eat them. And my friends who you know didn't have a nut allergy, but they wanted an alternative to nuts, 
they, they, they wanted, they were every day, you know, calling me, they could, couldn't get enough of them. So we took a step back and said, we might have something here. So in, in February, uh, we went live and the demand was incredible. Uh, to date, we've sold 20,000 bars. We launched three flavors of snack bars. And uh, we're here today, we're raising a $750,000 convertible note. And our mission is to create seed-based snacks that are allergy-friendly. So on that note, I'll, I guess I'll you guys probably want to try them, right? Sure, let's do we, it. Yeah. We'd love it. Blake's bars look a lot like Rice Krispie treats, but made from seeds of all shapes and sizes with little bits of fruit mixed in. And the investors moved to the first item on their food and beverage rubric, the taste test. So there are three flavors, chocolate chip, pineapple, and raspberry. Yeah, so there are three flavors of our snack bar. And then in the, the product pipeline, so we have a, a snack bar, we're, gonna, we're working on a, a protein bar, and then we're eventually we'll launch a trail mix. The raspberry is very tasty. Yeah. Okay, so that 15 million number, are those people who have like a very serious allergy or is that anyone who has any allergy to one of these? Yeah, so it, it all differs, right? Some people have like intolerances. Some people like myself are deathly allergic. So nut allergies are historically the ones that are, people are deathly allergic, right? Like anaphylactic shock. Um, but yeah, it, it, it varies on how allergic you are. I'm definitely on the spectrum where the worst of the worst. Yeah. So what we're trying to do, there's there's different seeds. So it's pumpkin seeds, sunflower seeds, um, and flax seed. And there's also quinoa and chickpeas. So we're trying to, you know, every product really highlights seeds and also highlight ancient grains. Seeds are a great alternative, a very similar taste profile from what I've heard, right? I can't have nuts. <laughs> and the nutrition value um, is, is incredible. We think it's the next superfood. So... And everyone can enjoy it. The investors like the bars. They're not shy about trying all the flavors, except for raw vegan Phil, of course. But I'd say that Blake has passed the taste test. Next down the list. Um, no, not that one. Ah, yes. Your competition. Can you talk a little about the competition? So from a allergy-friendly perspective, there's a couple players, right? There's Enjoy Life. There's 88 Acres. There's some people that have, have done that. Um, so there's the allergy-friendly players that, you know, the branding, the product, the nutrition is not appealing. And then there's obviously the big players, right? Like the Kind Bar, the RX Bar, the big players. So we think there's a big gap in the market um, to create an inclusive brand um, right in the middle to pull from people that don't have food allergies and people that, that do. What do you think RX Bar and Kind Bar have done right to grow so quickly and become so well-established? So I think it goes back to, with RX Bar, it goes back to the ingredients. And, and Kind Bar, you know, they have a number of different products. The, the big thing with, with this company is, you know, we have the production figured out. We have the logistics. This is a sales and marketing company. So the brand is as important as everything. Um, and that's what, to really win in this market, we need to create a great, great brand. Are you the brand? Uh, so has your, mean, name, has your name on the... Yeah, I mean, and, and I'm not... Um, the reason I wanted to put my name in it is because it's a personal story. I mean, I really believe I wake up every day and there is a lack of allergy-friendly snacks. And that drives me every day. Um, you know, I really think that every school, every airline, every hospital should have snacks that should be accessible for everyone without worrying about, you know, if you're going to die, if you're going to eat it. So I guess I'm part of the brand. In an effort to understand Blake's Seed-Based as a brand, they need to know a little bit more about Blake the person. 
Where are you from? So I grew up in Minneapolis, and then I went to uh, Wisconsin for, for undergrad. I uh, just finished up business school at Indiana. Um, and then before business school, I spent five years um, in the startup world. And another uh, important thing about my background is at Wisconsin, I, I played football as well. And then after, I uh, played for the Seattle Seahawks for a short amount. So I have the athlete route, and I have my mom was a dietitian. So I grew up like broccoli, chicken, extremely healthy ingredients, and that is at the core of this company. How are you selling them? So we're just online right now. We just started shipping in February, and the demand was much bigger than we ever expected. So we're all direct to consumer. And then instead of going traditional retail, where we have no one knows who we are as a brand, we have to deal with couponing and distributors. We want to target food service. So when you when you look at you know hospitals, schools, airlines, um, even you know big chain gyms, those are people that need allergy friendly snacks because it's risk mitigation. So we've met with a couple of airlines um, that have loved the idea. They're like, why would we even take the risk of serving you know products with with nuts and then potentially someone's going to die? I think that's really smart of you to focus on food service and not on brick and mortar retail. Because, A, that's a very crowded space of bars. Yeah. And getting shelf space is exceedingly difficult and expensive. Yeah. What's the price point of the product at retail compared to like other bars in the market? So those would be $2. Um, we never want to be the, the chewy granola bar that's $1, right? We want to be on the higher end side. We pay a premium to get audited, to be you know certified nut-free, certified gluten-free. You know, the consumer, it's like, you know, their mind's at ease, right? They know they can trust the brand. How do you win on the shelf next to a non-allergen-free bar with someone who doesn't care about allergies? Because you have this problem where you want to market that you're allergy-free because you want to hit your target market. But I feel like people who see that are going to be encouraged to just grab an RX bar or a Kind bar because they feel comfortable with that already. Yeah, so that is proposing to them the value of seeds, right? And giving the alternative. And we want to really educate the consumers on seeds. When you look at chia seeds, pumpkin seeds, sunflower seeds, flax seeds, there are so many use cases. There's so much nutritional value. Is seed food already a trend? Yes. Is that like up it, and coming? Or are you going to have to create a market for it, seeds? It, if you look at the, like some of the top 10 trends, it is really trending. So we feel like we have the perfect um, time of seeds and ancient grains are trending. Allergies are rising. So we put those two things together, and, and we think we have potential to have, have a lot of success. I know that the trend is moving in the right direction, but do you think that this is, you know, in, in one sense, missionary work, and you're going to have to go out there and educate the world about the value of seeds, and 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 that that's very expensive? I, I think uh, we're coming at actually right, just the right time, and I think two years from now, the awareness and education on seeds will be in a totally different spot, and frankly, that's when we'll have, you know, hopefully a brand, and that's when we'll have distribution. So I think that the fact that we are a little early as we build this thing out actually plays to our advantage. You're skating to where the puck will be. There you go. I like it. Yeah. Phil likes Blake's vision, but when we come back, we'll see if he likes it enough to invest. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. We talk to a lot of entrepreneurs on the show, and one thread that connects them all, they're not just pitching their business, they're pitching themselves. Because small business owners know that their business is more than just a company, it's their whole life. And State Farm gets that. State Farm agents are small business owners too, 
and they know what it takes. They can help you choose personalized policies to fit your budget. That's the personal touch. That's small business insurance from State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Welcome back. The investors just agreed that Blake has the right roadmap for his startup, but they still have questions about the Blake and Blake Seed-based. I want to come back to one thing that the more I hear you talk, the more I'm struggling with. The thing I like most about what you're saying is actually you and your personal story. Yes. And I don't know how you translate that to a B2B sale. I think in the consumer, you could speak, I can envision, close crop on you telling yeah. a story about your that resonating at a visceral level with a consumer. I don't know how you take the magic of you and communicate that in a B2B channel. Right. But isn't it less important in a B2B channel? Because they're looking, they're, when you're in a plane and they give you free snacks, you're kind of stuck with what they give you. So if they have, you don't have the choices you have on the retail shelf, so right? You're, yes. Here's what I, I, let me just say a little more about that. I don't think your greatest asset, which is you and your story, I don't think the B2B people care. I'm, I'm guessing this airline's going to say, is it expensive? Does it fit within our cost profile? If we hand it out, are people going to say, what is what is this thing? Thank you, no thank you. Whereas I think you have you have a really clear idea of why you're doing this and about why seeds matter. And I think speaking directly to the consumer without an intermediary, I think that that's your superpower. And I'd hate to see that disappear in a blind B2B sale on an order sheet. Yeah, I think so I think that's a great point that what I've seen in the, you know, the few meetings I've had is I just have to connect with that buyer and and communicate my story just like I do to the direct consumer. Are there products that have become big, meaningful consumer brands that were introduced and grown through a B2B channel that way as opposed to really cultivating the consumer directly? Yeah, I mean, I don't have a good example that just focus like B2B. I would say if we could prioritize, it is the direct-to-consumer first, right? Our website and Amazon, clearly number one. But to really grow this company and to get like bulk orders, we're going to have to go to B2B. Let me ask you this. You know, obviously I get I get your unique selling proposition, seed-based, allergen-free. Yeah. But how is it defensible? In other words, how difficult is it for another company to do a seed-based? This takes off, right? And another company says, we have an, a nut-free manufacturing facility. We'll create an, a seed-based product as well. Th- th- thank you for asking that. So, You're welcome. Um, yeah, you set me up. This is I've one been of my, working on This that. is one of my favorite questions. So the fact that looking, finding a nut-free manufacturer that took me four months. I traveled the whole country. I traveled North America looking for one. Well, do you have an exclusive arrangement with them? We don't. Oh, good. You just made my work easier. Now <laughs> I can find nut-free manufacturing. I mean, if I'm a competitor. Okay, yeah, exactly. So, like, you know, you could find it, but the options are either build your own facility uh-huh. or, or find a co-packer, which there are very few of. Mm. I have found two yeah, that have hit hard. the standards. I've visited, you know, numerous that can reach the scale we want to hit and also... Like the one we're using with, you walk in, they pat you down for nuts. like Because that's their whole business model, right? If a nut gets in it, someone dies, their business shut down. So that's the barrier to entry is, is really finding a facility. But there are there are a couple you said. Yeah, th- there are a couple. Um, there are 
they're tough to find and they're extremely picky. I mean, I went up to the manufacturer and was in front of, they pick like 3% of the companies that try well, to pitch them. Let's say I'm RX bar. And I go, wow, Blake's really killing it with those yeah. seed bars down there. I think uh, we better come up with a seed bar. Quick, go find a, a nut-free manufacturing facility that can scale what we need. How do you, how do you produce any kind of moat? when a company like RX Bar can easily go into one of these facilities and do the same thing. Yeah, so a lot of the, there's competitors in the space that are just trying to make a buck, right? They see like, oh, there's people with food allergies, let's make a product. So the defensible is to create a brand around it and you know build it on my story, an authentic story, right? This is, yes, I'm trying to, you know, like build a great company, but this is also so personal to me and that's my mission every day. So I think that's the answer. Yes. Is the brand, not, yes. you know, there are only a couple nut-free facilities right. in the country. I think the answer is we're going to build a killer brand and everyone's going to know us for being that allergen-free but delicious tasting seed-based, you know, products. You're from the Midwest. You should video your mom. Your siblings should do videos. Mm -hmm. This should be about family. Yeah. I You've got the yeah, makers of a Yeah, if I'm your brother, very... I'd be like, I had to suffer my whole childhood. Right? My damn brother wouldn't, uh, he couldn't eat Yeah, eat and there's also right? like, I mean, they've, my brother Ben has seen me at like, you know, five minutes from death, right? Of like literally anaphylactic shock. Like that was almost it. So it's like a personal story um, to, to my family. Hmm. Hmm. Sorry. No, no, it's, it's an emotional thing. Yeah. I mean, I understand it's, why you're reacting that way. I understand that it's emotional. I'm convinced that in the next five years, there'll be someone that um, dies on a plane from nuts. And yeah. overnight, the whole industry uh, will be nut-free mm -hmm. or allergy-friendly. Like, I am so convinced uh, in my heart that that will happen. Wow. This is really personal. If having passion for a vision is in the investor's food and beverage rubric, I think Blake's got it. But soon, the investors will have to add up the scores and see if Blake's seed-based passes the test. You said you're raising a $750,000 note. What's the cap on the note? Yeah, so it's a $3 million cap. You're a star. You're humble. You came in here. You shook all of our hands. You made eye contact. You have an amazing story. You've talked about your mom. You've talked about your career. You've talked about uh, an experience that you've had over and over with your allergies. You're the company. And you're the ball game here. So, I mean, I think it's close up on you. You're it. You are sales. And I think I'm interested, but I want, I mean, I would want to hear you say that you are the sales face. Don't let any investor move you off this mark. It would be a mistake. Thank you for that. Appreciate that. Um, um, and we are setting up the company to free me up. So I can go be the brand, go lead sales. And frankly, that's what I'm passionate about doing because I believe so much in, in this product and this space. Well, I'm happy to do 25. I'm happy to come in. That'd be amazing. Thank yeah. you. Alexandra is in for $25,000 for Blake Seed-Based. But Charles has just one more question before he decides. Can you give me a sense for what you think is possible in terms of velocity? Like the last thing I'm wrestling with is, what is, I know what software velocity can look like, but mm. in a business like this, what's reasonable expectations for year over year for the next couple of years? Yeah. So you look at like RX bar, yeah. which is like, I mean, even like the, the food terms in Chicago, is everyone's looking for that R, R, next RX bar, like zero to you know, 120 million in, in five years. So I think reasonably, like this note, I, I think we can do a million dollars next year. 
Um, very, very confident in that, right? At that point, we would we would raise a Series A um, to, to kind of expand and really grow it. Um, in year three, uh, year three, four, $10 million. I, I do think that's reasonable. So I'd like to make a small investment in this one. It would be smaller than what we typically do because we're primarily software and hardware people, but mm-hmm. we have a small allocation at the fund. If I find someone who I think is working on an interesting problem and I just think there's something special about them and you fall in that category, so... Um, you know, I obviously have some follow-up questions, but based on what yeah. I heard, it, for us, it'd be something in that 25 to 50K range. Awesome. I just think you've got really good instincts for your category. And I think, like like Jake said, it's early for seed-based snacks. And if you can be the one that pioneer and, and sort of drive that category, I think tremendous gains go to the winner. Mm-hmm. Although Thank there's you. something to be said for investing in a seed round of a seed-based company. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I was waiting for that. Um, that's appealing to me. Yeah. But um, it's too easy. He doesn't get credit for that. <laughs> Low hanging fruit. For me, uh, it's it's. I really like what you're doing. I love the story. I think there's a real opportunity for you to build a brand here, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but it's it's early for me. Yeah. It's just really early, yep. and I I don't have enough evidence yet of product market fit, and that that you're going to be able to do this. And I. I, I need some early indicators of that before I jump in. So mm-hmm. um, keep in touch, and I'm I'm into the idea of investing in the A round. Awesome. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Phil is out for now, but Charles is in. Jake's up next. I think uh, anyone in the family could eat it. I don't think you have to sell just to the allergy-free market. My biggest reservation is just, I'm worried that you're going to have to create consumer awareness around seed-based if there is no current seed-based trend. And so... You know, for that reason, I think I'm going to have to pass right now. I'd love to do a little bit of research on my own, but I love the bar and I love you. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Blake, thanks. Thank, Thank you guys so much. Well nice to meet you. Good job. Blake takes off with an investment from both Alexandra and Charles. But the investors aren't done chewing on this pitch. There's a Midwestern football player who starts crying. That's right. Are you kidding me? Are you nuts? Guys, seriously, bananas. He's going to crush it. I'm like, fire your marketing firm and just trust your own instincts. Seriously, that? I could see him doing TV commercials. Yeah. I think your instincts were right. I mean, I I think in food, there isn't much defensibility. Like McDonald's and Burger King both sell hamburgers. And like, I think it comes down to like, do you connect with a brand that makes you feel like this is the problem? Like, look, I mean, this, I drink this brand of water because I really like it. Is it fundamentally different than other waters? I don't know, but this is the brand that I like. Sure. My advice to him is stay D to C for as long as you possibly can. Stay out oh, of- if he said he wanted to go brick and mortar retail, I'd be like, no way. No way. I, totally. I would have tapped out immediately. And so I guess I think, part of it's a question of, you know, do they end up marketing to the mainstream consumer that, you know, who's not concerned about allergies, or are they just going to stay focused, laser focused on the, ha- the households that are concerned about that? It's probably a big enough market to just stay focused on- you know, the allergy-concerned people. Yeah. Cool. You could certainly start the brand there, I guess, and then expand once you've got some brand identity. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's interesting, though. Nice. For sure. Sweet. It was terrific. Thanks. When we come back, Blake delivers an ultimatum. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. Small business owners know that it's not just business, it's personal. 
Your business is your life, and State Farm gets that. State Farm agents are small business owners too, so they know what it takes. They can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. And they live and work in your community. So you're not just getting an insurance plan, you're getting that personal touch. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Welcome back. Blake Sorensen just pulled in two new investors in his seed snack bar company. When I caught up with him a few months later, I asked about this particular moment in the room where the investors weren't really seeing eye to eye. The investors were saying that you needed to own the brand and be the face of the company because of who you are and how how genuine it was um, with your story. But then you wanted to focus on selling your business, selling business to business. So selling your bars to food service companies, airlines, and things like that. Did that make you, like, their disagreement on some of those things, did it make you reconsider your strategy? Not really. I mean, the truth is when we launch, we're going to kind of need to figure it out and and pivot. But um, I still think the direct-to-consumer and, you know, having the brand and communicating right with the, the consumer is important will be step one of the company. But uh, step two, I mean, what we did is we, we just hired a, a COO to come on and kind of run the business day to day. So when we do want to sell the airlines and hospitals and schools, uh, it frees me up to go tell the story and essentially same thing, ha- make that connection with people and, and tell the story of the brand. So I think you can operate in tandem, both direct to consumer and B2B. You, th- you don't think it matters. Like their argument around like, oh, is the is your story going to translate when you sell business to business? You don't think it's valid? Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's valid. In fact, um, so I, I think the, the one thing that's rang true in startups in general is you can have a plan, but you never, things never go, never go right. So we're just kind of placing little bets, right? We're going to be on Amazon. We're going to be on our website. We have some B2B approaches and eventually we're going to see what works and you know whatever avenue opens up, we'll reallocate our resources and, and our time uh, to that to that avenue. But um, to, to say that we this is our plan, this is exactly what we're going to do, I, I think that's uh, hmm. doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So then, what like there was this moment when I think it was Alexandria was talking about um, what it must be like to grow up with someone with a deathly food allergy like you, and you got pretty emotional in the room. Um, I believe there yeah, were some was some tears shed. What's it like to have to tell your personal story to a room full of strangers like that? Yeah, well, one, it was a little embarrassing. I never, ne- never happens. Um, but I think it just, I mean, it goes back to why I started the company. I mean, we started this company because there is a, it's a massive problem for people with allergies, and it's a serious issue. So. Um, again, it got a little caught up. I didn't expect that to happen, but it kind of is essential to, the, to why the company was created. So I'm glad that at least that was conveyed. Well, it worked out. You got investment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. L- a little embarrassed by that. Probably catch some flack from my buddies, but well, it's all right. We'll make it work. Wait, really? They don't know yet. You didn't tell anyone. I haven't told anyone that. Yeah, I don't plan to broadcast that uh, that portion that I cried on a podcast. <laughs> don't worry, we'll broadcast it for you. <laughs> oh, 
you left the room with two investments. One was from Alexandra and one from Charles. But I hear things got a little crazy after the pitch. So let's start with Alexandra. What happened with Alexandra? Yeah, so we had good conversations with with Alexandra. Um, yeah, you know, we she she we reaffirmed her commitment. It, it took her a while. There's a lot of uh, you know delays, obviously, after the show of kind of response time. But um, it took a while. I mean, there was kind of like weeks where um, you know we didn't hear anything, and you know, at one point, at one point, it was like we were going to take other people's money just because we wanted to close the round. So she, I uh, kind of gave her a deadline. I said, Alexander, like you have, you know, a day. Um, and this is after numerous emails and calls, but you kind of have a day to like respond and let me know you're in and wire the money. Otherwise, we have to would take it from someone else. And uh, she came through. So you gave her an ultimatum. I did. I did. I didn't want to uh, be rude about it, but obviously, there's a lot going on in a startup, and you kind of just want to get your money in and focus on operating the business. So that that was the reasoning behind that. It turns out Alexandra was out doing some fundraising of her own and was a little slow to respond to Blake. Eventually, they worked it out, but I was curious as to why Blake gave her so many chances to get in the round. I really value her her expertise and some of the connections she has. I think um, even you know from a location, you know, she's in New York and some of the people and doors she can open, I think will be uh, very valuable for us in the future. So... All right, so moving on to Charles. What happened with Charles? You know, we, we sent him the documents right after, and he was excited, um, you know, said he would he would be good for 50000 And in fact, he, if we had more room available, he wanted more room. And, and at that point, we were, we were filled up. Oh, but, so um, you couldn't give him more room. Yeah, yeah, couldn't, couldn't get more room, but... Uh, yeah, so we we were excited to get him on board. Obviously, kind of like Alexandra, he has a, a you know deep network of of connections. And then when it got down to him signing the documents and wiring the funds, um, there was an oversight. He didn't realize we were an LLC, and their fund only invests in in C corps for tax purposes. So that investment uh, fell through. What? Yeah. Because you're an yeah. LLC? He, correct. It's it very frustrating because there's a lot of back and forth with Charles and um, somehow that didn't get communicated on both sides. Um, but, they, you know, most VCs want you to be a C-Corp for, for tax purposes. Uh, when we do a, a Series A eventually, we will convert to a, uh, a C-Corp. Um, and that's when most VCs invest. So you're saying that that all of the other people that you did raise from were smaller investors or angel investments, not a bigger VC fund. Exactly. Oh. Um, which we actually did that on purpose. Once you get VCs involved, I'm not saying we won't do this, but they just there's a lot of complications. They want board seats, they want warrants, they want uh, a lot more information and. The angel investors, I think, give give us more autonomy as a company to kind of operate and run the company yeah. how we want. Despite Charles's inability to invest because of a technicality, Blake was able to fill up his entire round, all 750K, with angel investors. Investors like Alexandra. Yes, yes, the round is finished. The, the money's in the bank, and now we need to execute. <laughs> now you're on the hook. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. A lot of, a lot of pressure now. But uh, the last 25000 was was wired today, so we're officially done. Well, congrats, Blake. That's huge. Thank you. Finally, someone emerged victorious on the other side of the food startup gauntlet. And I'm glad it was Blake. Maybe one of these days, we'll see Blake's seed-based bars in stores everywhere, right next to RX Bar. Our show is produced by me, Kareem Maddox, and Molly Donahue. We are edited by Blythe Terrell. We're mixed by Enoch Kim, original music composed by The Musemaker, theme music by Breakmaster Cylinder. Lisa Muccio planned the recording of this pitch. Here's our disclaimer. No offer to invest is being made to or solicited from the listening audience on today's show. All right, you've been listening to The Pitch from Gimlet Media. We'll be back with a brand new episode next Wednesday. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's where State Farm Small Business Insurance comes in. State Farm agents are small business owners themselves, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. To hear how things went down for past food and beverage startups on the show, I'd recommend going back to listen to episode 21, Metabrew, and episode 35, The Proof is in the Pudding. It's about a company called Petipo, and it's actually one of my all-time favorite episodes. So check it out.